Mr. Ryan Spicer, episode number seven. Thank you for being the guest on the Blazing Cards podcast. Thanks for uh, having me. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to talk to my good friend, Nats boy. I know. See, you're one of my <laughs> throwback. You're one of my friends from uh, who carried outside of Yu-Gi-Oh. Because we've known each other for like 12 years, but a lot of people when I quit Yu-Gi-Oh and then when they quit Yu-Gi-Oh, we just stopped talking. But you're actually one of the few I kept in touch with, so I'm excited to have you here. So, do you mind starting off by listing your accomplishments in Yu-Gi-Oh? If you remember, you should have prepared me for that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a Yu-Gi-Oh podcast. I told you we got to talk. I have a, I have a. I mean, you can Google fact check me because that's popular these days. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, uh, I believe I have like nine or ten uh, Shonen Jump Championship slash YCS uh, like tops. And then I have one win, uh, two two second places in Austin, like Austin, and uh, Houston, which was directly after my win in Chicago. I won Chicago. I skipped one one uh, one event and then went to the event in Houston. And that was when Konami took over from uh, Upper Deck. So there was like no, there wasn't like much coverage on that one. It was kind of a weird event, but I ended up getting second place. After winning, uh, after winning um, the event, and then I have twenty between twenty and thirty like regional tops, um, and yeah, so pretty accomplished. You're better I was than I thought. I didn't realize I was, how good you were. Uh, I was ranked third in the world at one time. Um, how did that happen? Um, well, I mean, just like just relentlessly going to regionals and I would go to locals like Saturdays, Saturday, Sunday, religiously, and then like Thursdays and then any other one I could find. I was, I was just a complete Yu-Gi-Oh head. Like um, I live, breathed Yu-Gi-Oh yeah, <laughs> for about right? nine years of my life. I know. And then I, and then I, and then I, and then I missed it for about another six years after I quit. So <laughs> It's like your girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, I don't get over things quickly. I'm getting better at that, though. So um, That's hilarious. So what, what event did you win again? Chicago, 2008, I believe. Yeah. What, what format was that? Was that Teledad? Teledad. Teledad. It's a very skillful format. Yeah, it was a, it was a fun one. still like that format. What, what, what do you remember about that event? What do you remember like what separated you from the rest of the field when you won that event? Do you remember? I, so the first thing that pops in my head when you asked me that, I remember playing against Augustin Herrera, like we were test playing. And I believe I wasn't playing, I think I wasn't playing like Mirror Force or Trenchel or something at one point. I don't think I played either of them or something, but it wasn't standard, but Augustin knew that. And I remember being really frustrated because he would play against me like he knew I wasn't playing those cards. <laughs> <laughs> so great testing. Um, and I was like, I was like, well, this isn't very realistic, but okay. Um, yeah. And then the second thing that pops in my head, I remember playing against Caesar in the finals. And I remember he got a game loss because he, um, he accidentally Caesar kept one of Caesar Gonzalez. You remember him? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I met, he was, a, I missed that guy. Um, I recently had him on Facebook again, <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, I remember, I think game one, 
he he had a card in his main deck that was in his side deck and you know you know how it is when you top an event you like memorize their deck list so he like he just so happened he he, he just so happened to like draw the card and i saw like I, he either played it i don't remember the, if there was any cards that allowed you to see your opponent's hand trap dushy maybe i don't know i i saw i saw he had the card and i was like uh i think you don't play that in your main deck and he uh got a game loss so that was fortunate um, i forgot about memorizing I, people's deck list before that's so funny yeah you'd spend the, the, you'd before spend all, you'd get the deck list yeah you'd, you'd spend all night and just like you would just go over sometimes you would like have people build the decks and you just play against it yeah. and yeah so yeah i mean we were we were we were serious about it um do you think that was an accident was it like a good card for for versus teledad I think it was an accident. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think it was. An <laughs> you don't accident. want to fire a shot? No. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I mean that that would be the dumbest, like, dumbest way to try to get an edge is like, to, to like when when, when you're likely going to get a feature match when you're playing against someone yeah, who's, yeah. who's definitely going to remember like your deck, like you know if it was some Joe Schmo, you know, sure, but like I'm I'm, like I I fucking Good Spicer. I was blood, like my blood was just Yu-Gi-Oh, you know? Yeah. And I'll say one last thing and then I'll stop ranting about it. Um, I remember that was, that event was really memorable for me because I remember I, uh, before that event, like, like a fire was lit in me because at Shonen Jump Nashville in like 2008 or end of 2007, something like that. I remember I, uh, I it was during the light and light and darkness uh light and darkness dragon um format like and I think I think we were playing it was after that it was uh I know Dark Greffer was out I think Jason Holloway won that event um I remember we were, we were all running yeah I love that guy um but uh we were running we were all running similar decks so it was I know Dark Arm Dragon was definitely there Teledad wasn't out or um Teleport wasn't out yet so it was like it was like a it was a dark, dark arm deck, right? With like light and darkness dragon, dark refer, um, malicious. So, anyways, I I had like a seven and one record, and then the last round, and I had got deck checked like five times in a row at this event, and then and then like in the very last round of Swiss, I got like a sixth deck check against the mm -hmm. owner of Card Masters. Um, like they were they were trying to like get me for something and in the final round i was playing i was playing against uh the guy who owns card masters i don't remember his name off the top of my head um but i was playing against him and they deck checked me for like the literal like sixth time in a row and i was like this is ridiculous and then they came back and were like they're like your metal raiders mirror force is a little like soft on the edge and i'm just like yeah, it's the Metal Raiders Mirror Force, you know? <laughs> like, like, I didn't, I mean, that that's what I'm saying now. That's not what I said to them, but I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I mean, I'm not trying to cheat with a fucking Mirror Force. Like, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> and anyways, they, uh, they ended up giving me a penalty. They said, on intentional cheating, double game loss. What? Yeah, what? they gave me... Unintentional cheating, double game loss. And then, so they just, they like basically took away my top eight. And I was like, I was so angry. Like, I remember, this is kind of 
maybe too much information, but I remember going out into the hallway and just crying because oh. I prepared, I prepared so much for that event and, and then just to have it like taken away from me, like it just yeah. made me, it made me so angry because it was so unjustified and, oh. and, and then, um, and then after that, I just was like, like the, like Savage Ryan came out and I was just like, I was like, I'm going to top everything now. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And then I, I did, and then I happened to do really well. I, I remember I went to St. Louis after that event. I like, I, I finaled, uh, that might be, not be the right event, but I think it was, I think it was St. Louis, but I went to an event and made top eight. It was during, it was, it was when Glarabies first came out because I lost to Joseph Rikus because he was playing Glarabies with main deck shadow mirrors. And I was playing a dark arm deck. Like he was ahead of me on the curve on that one. And, uh, and so I made top eight there. And then I think directly after that, I won my championship. And then directly after that, I got second place in my, in the next one. So like, Jesus. so like back to back to back, I just like, I just, I don't know. I just, I was just like, I don't know. Fire was lit inside me. So I was just like. And you went X2. And nowadays X2 is like a great record where you top. But back then. Yeah, because X2 you know what it is? Eight. It's a reflection of the weak culture that we have adopted <laughs> you know everyone deserves a everyone deserves a trophy and you know oh, that's no, I'm with you i yeah, mean it, it's it's true you know like it used to be really it used to be like tough as shit you had to get top eight or and then they made, they made it top 16 you know i mean i'm being i'm kind of saying that because it's it's just kind of fun to you know poke and stuff i'm part of that generation obviously how many tops do you think you'd have if it was top 32 back then you wouldn't you wouldn't not top right like yeah i would not a talk, while basically. you would you would scrub but other than that it's like yeah it would it would be significantly different yeah um but i mean to be fair though it's like i mean it's not that much different because i mean you still have to like i, I just it just takes away the the significance of like topping like yeah. you know it, it used to mean something to make top eight and doesn't really mean anything to be top 64 or whatever it is nowadays is, <laughs> is that right top 32 i think but at one at nationals okay. they had it like there was a nationals it was, yeah. it was top 64 and that doesn't really mean anything but i mean all that really means is like i mean it's basically additional rounds of swiss you know what i mean yeah. like it's almost like and i guess they they simplify it by instead of like making day one continue to day two they just they just have a cutoff and and then you just proceed from there which is fine um so i mean it's just different i mean you still have, you know, first place is still first place. Second place is still for second place. Top eight is still top eight. It's just, it's just structured differently. Yeah. And, yeah, that's fair. and I guess maybe, I don't know if you're weak spirited, um, if you get top 32, <laughs> maybe, maybe you, uh, maybe you're like, yeah, that feels great, <laughs> <laughs> but it's not a real accomplishment. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, it's funny. I was talking to somebody I work with today and they're like, yeah, tops don't mean anything to me anymore. Because you you know you got to get the win after like I think the first couple are like cool like a top thirty two but then after like five or six or ten of them you're like okay now it's time to to actually like win what what do you think um, changed when you when you won did you view the game differently going forward or did you find like a new confidence. I don't, I, it's, that's a tough question to answer. I don't even know how to answer that one. Yeah, it wasn't the question I'm um, playing. <laughs> I know I would always, I've always been a person who's like a, probably a little bit too doubtful of myself. So 
it definitely just, I mean, it just felt really good because it had been something I'd been striving for, for like, you know, I've been playing, you. I was, or not had been, I, I had, I had been playing Yu-Gi-Oh since I was like 14. I started in seventh grade. Mm-hmm. And when I was set, so three years later, like three years of literally like, like thinking about Yu-Gi-Oh every single day, playing Yu-Gi-Oh every single day, like, you know, playing Yu-Gi-Oh until like six, like me and my friends, we would like me and team out phase, we would play until like 7 a.m. at a Denny's, like, like the sun would be rising and we would just be like crushing it, leaving no tips for the waitress. Like we were terrible, but, <laughs> um, you know, we were like high school kids. You don't realize that people yeah. live off the hot, you know, so definitely tip. Great. Definitely we used to go tip. to Denny's and get the unlimited hot chocolates. And then just I didn't know that was a them. thing. Oh, you messed up. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. Dude, we used to go to a, uh, a playtesting spot. Oh my god, that would have changed everything. Um, but we used to go to uh, this Mexican place in Texas, and we would get like we would get free tortillas, butter, and like salsa, and make like butter salsa tacos. <laughs> And then playing test the night away, eating their all their. Butter. We were yeah, dude. We were we were something else, you know. Like we we obviously didn't have good role models. <laughs> um, That's but uh, <laughs> who was on Team Out Phase? Because uh, I know there were some pretty recognizable players. It was there. me, Chris Bowling. Uh, I mean. I, I, yeah, Kyle Bowling, I guess we could say. I, I'm not sure if he was actually on the team or not, but, I mean, might as well have been. He was, yeah, throw him in, throw him in. We like um, Jason Holloway, Philly Luna. Uh, I know Hooman was on there for a bit, Hooman Frappakush. Uh, was Billy else? on it? I know Augustine, Billy Brake. Yep, Billy Brake. I miss that guy. It's so disappointing. I don't get to talk to him ever. If you're ever watching this, man, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Um, I'm gonna clip that and just send that to him. Just take him. Please. Does he respond to you? <laughs> yeah, sometimes. <laughs> He's never responded to me in like seven years. So really? I don't yeah, know what okay. I did to him. I do not know what I did to him, but I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, let's see. Uh, <laughs> who else? Augustine was on there for a minute. A minute. Augustine Herrera. Yeah, I love that dude. Um, he was broke. Um, that was something we used to say. Um, <laughs> I assume that doesn't mean broke as then he can't afford anything. Nah, Chris Pateo went on there for a minute. Pateo, I want to have him on the podcast. He yeah, could be a Joe, my Joey Diaz too. He's freaking hilarious. Is he? Are you kidding me? I haven't, I haven't talked to him in a minute. Like, yeah, I haven't talked to him for a while either. But he I really liked so him. Funny. I really liked him growing up. He was hilarious. So wait, when did you start? How long did it Actually, take you real quick. To Go ahead, go ahead. Real quick. I remember Chris Pate- Chris Pateo, um he he's involved in my first experience ever leaving the United States. Oh, all right. Well tell a story. So when I was 15 years old, I had just moved to Texas from Michigan mm-hmm. and I won my first invitation to Nationals. And Nationals was was in Columbus, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And I knew Chris Pateo from like, I don't even know, maybe an event, maybe just the internet. I don't know. Anyways, I flew into Detroit, Michigan. When I was 15. He picked me up at the airport. We went to the, we went to the border and I didn't have a passport because I was 15. 
And my mom had written a note saying it was okay for me to go to another country with What's somebody she had never met, <laughs> who was like in his early 20s, <laughs> to stay at his parents' basement for a week. <laughs> so the worst part is that's not even out of the ordinary for Yu-Gi-Oh players, but I don't know if it's, it's like is now, but back then, yeah, all my friends were like older men who <laughs> Yeah, like it's <laughs> It's not normal. It's not normal, but you know, hey, nothing happened, so <laughs> there's no no me too going on. <laughs> so what happened in the basement? <laughs> um well we played a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh! He he brought home a lot of Burger King. <laughs> um we played uh we played that Naruto video game. I remember that. Um didn't you say you and never then, met him? So why did you go? If you no, don't I, I I must have met him at like I I met him somewhere. I, I like I don't think I only knew him from the internet. Like I think I met him like at maybe a couple times, and then we chatted on the internet and stuff. Oh, that's hilarious! I envy you. But I wish I could have spent a weekend in his basement. He's hilarious. <laughs> and then Chris Hens was there too. Do you remember him? Uh, Chris Hens was there. We called him uh, Conway Twitty. Do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I there, know Chris Hens. He was from I don't Oregon. think it's the one. It's not that one. Oh. It's the, he was like from like Missouri or something. Um, he was like this really tall dude, um, and he was like pretty good. Mm. All right, so it was like a little Yu-Gi-Oh extravaganza in the basement. And yeah, and then and then we drove to nationals. Another fun story. I cried the night before my first nationals too because there was so much pressure. Dude, the night before I won nationals, I shit my pants. <laughs> <laughs> not even. I remember telling Silverman the story. So Why? Like, oh, Why do you shit your pants off? And Silverman's like, what's the secret to winning nationals? And I'm like, honestly, you have to shit your pants. <laughs> Is it wide, I've wide never, sh- I've never told this before. I'm so glad I get to do it on a podcast where <laughs> people, anyone can hear it now. Great. Um, so <laughs> I was really nervous. Yeah, I just like. <laughs> Just like you, I can only imagine you crying in a bathtub while I'm sitting. Um, it wasn't in a bathtub. It was like, <laughs> it was like I was like crying and like I think I was I think I was crying and I I'm pretty sure I was crying in front of Chris Pateo and he was counseling me and he's like, <laughs> like he's like it's all right, man. Like, I was like I was like I want to quit. Like I was like I was like you know I was crying. I was like I want to quit Yu-Gi-Oh. Like ah oh, like. <laughs> It was just so much pressure, man. Doing at that event, I did pretty good. I think I think my first nationals, I I think I went like. Actually, I don't know. I, I honestly, I don't remember. I think I went like X two or X three, which is like good right. for your first nationals. You yeah, know? that is like, good. Um, yeah, I think I think I got really nervous because I think I was playing Jerry Wang for like money the night before, mm. <laughs> and I remember I, I remember it was funny too because like I. I that was new for me, but like I remember I beat him the first match and then I was like, sweet. And then I was like, I'm done. And then he was like, he's like, I want to play. He's like, I want to play again. Like, you can't just like beat me once and then just leave. And then I'm like, That's I'm like, sure I can. And then, and then Philly, and then Philly talked to me. He's like, he's like, nah, man, you have to get, you're like, you, you can't just do that. You can't just like take someone's money and then just like not let them replay you. <laughs> like, and then That's I think, Luna, he by the way, in yeah. case anyone doesn't know who Philly, um, yeah, I, I similarly, I also was playing Iman for money. The same night I shit my pants. <laughs> the day before? The day before nationals. 
It was an interesting he, story. It was like a movie how it all worked out when I ended up playing up when I ended up playing he, in the top eight. Did he beat you when you played for cards? No, it's good. It's a good story. Well, first off, so we get there Friday, right? I'm very nervous. I'm seeing people I know. It's a great story. He's taking advantage of an 11 year old kid. <laughs> and then the 11 year old kid comes back whoa, whoa, whoa. and wins nationals. Who says he won? Anyway. Well, no, no, no. Who cares? It's the intention. He's like, I know, right? Dude, but he's he like, I'm going to take advantage of so... this. Yeah, when you're no, 15. They were all so kids. But, um, we were all, yeah, we were all shitheads. Yeah, that's the thing. Sure. We were all young kids. Uh, anyways, yeah, I was just super nervous Friday, so like I shit my pants at the at the. <laughs> I had to like run to the bathroom, right? We should make a meme for you, like. <laughs> so I go to the bathroom, and I'm just like shitting. And next thing I know, it's like going down my leg or something. And I like call my mom because I'm like 11. I'm like, mom. <laughs> Where were you? I was at the event. You were wait. You were at the I, event the day before, though. At the event, yeah, Friday. You know, okay. Go there on Friday. I'm like, mom. Yeah, yeah. You shit your pants. Like, okay. Yeah, mom, help me. <laughs> and and so I remember. Did I was, you eat like? Did you eat bad tacos or what happened? I was very nervous. I always got a nervous stomach. It was one of the things I hated about playing Yu-Gi-Oh. Even like after I'd won in things at events, I'd get a nervous stomach. I know exactly what you mean. Before every yeah. event, you're just like. Oh. I know Billy too. Billy would always like be in the stall next to me. Do you know? Uh, do you know? Um, <laughs> you know Robert Ackerman? Yeah. Dude, he used to throw up before like matches and shit. I remember like playing. I was in the top eight of an event, and I remember he was like throwing up next to me. Like he used to get like so nervous before an event, yeah. and he he would throw up. Dude, that's hilarious. I love hearing all these stories with all these people who like I used to look up to. Anyways, so real quick, I whatever. I shit my pants. I waddle back to the hotel because I had to walk there or whatever. Luckily, it was close. I change, I like, I, I take a bath, shower, whatever. I, I, I come back to the convention center and I see Iman sitting there. And I'm like, oh my God, that guy won like Denver Shonen Jump or whatever. So I'm like, hey, do you want to like play for fun? And he's like, I only play for money. And I'm like, uh, I have $2 in my pocket. <laughs> and he's like, sure. So we sit down, beat him game one. And then they turn the lights off in the convention center. And they're like, time to go home. Everybody leave. So we only played that one game until our rematch. And that's crazy. Nationals. That is it's, crazy. It's, that's what I'm saying. It's like a movie. And then I went that's to like, Nationals. Hey, that's if you don't believe in God, dude, keep crazy. Playing. And the <laughs> other thing is, like, I envisioned myself winning that Nationals. Like, I was like, right now I'm ranked, like, second in the state. But if I win, then I'll get this many points. And then I'll go ahead and, like, jump in front of that guy. In front. Anyways, it was just weird. Super, super, like, I don't know. Made me a little superstitious, I think. From from that day forward, um, I used to pray before matches. <laughs> I'd be like, like I remember uh, my first event too. Like uh, I think I think it's might might even be in in the future match where it talks about me like just like taking a moment and just like like and just like collecting myself and like I was literally praying. I was like, Something I like I was I was praying the baby I was praying to baby Jesus like. <laughs> I was like, I want to win this so bad. Like, <laughs> you got to you know, put Yami Yugi. If you, yes, I was like, I was like, if you let me win this, like, I'm gonna be the best Christian ever. <laughs> I'll be the best, the the best good little boy. <laughs> oh my god, that's hysterical. Yeah, man, that is hysterical. I remember playing you. I remember my you like, hey, you want to play a game or like you want to just play test or whatever after an event, 
it might have been one of the first events I like had just met you. It was at Anna Anaheim Shonen Jump, and I was like, yeah. And then I went in my backpack and I was like, oh shit, I left my deck on the table, and then my deck went missing. It was just stolen because I left it there. And I was like, oh, that was Anaheim. Remember that? Yeah, I remember like that. 2008 yeah. or something. Was that the first time we met, or no? It might have been. Yeah, that's what I, what I'm thinking. Yeah. I remember you were like a cute pudgy kid who played legendary jujitsu. I love that card. What do you mean? <laughs> Those were my what like uh what do you mean? Like um how do you know me is that has that card? What? <laughs> do you have a top with that or something? I just remember you having it. I, I don't think I monarchs with it or something. I think I I always I always like side decking it. It was like kind mm-hmm. of like an unexpected thing. And it in I you know I I have a fetish for monarchs. So, if for authority, you know, you know men in uniform. Um <laughs> But uh, okay. <laughs> that's gonna be one clip for sure. The teaser clip. You uh, uh, you don't. What do you mean? You shouldn't edit any of this. Definitely no, no, not. No context. I'm editing just that part. Oh yeah, it. you can you can take it out, and I don't care. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, promoting I, with that clip. I've gotten better at not. I used to be really bad at um. I used to be really bad about my past and stuff like to like it's I'm kind of upset about it like you know like I even like deleted all my old like Yu-Gi-Oh content from like you know first I you know I and I was just like I was like man like I you know I think I just got in my head a lot like just Mm -hmm. thinking you know but now now I'm just like you know that's just like a like at this point it's like that's just just like a part of you and like it's just better to leave it you know like yeah um, no I know I I deleted all my shit too and I like unfriended a lot of people on my Yu-Gi-Oh yeah I know dude on, on my on my Facebook, I had like three thousand people, and I deleted like twenty eight hundred of them. I know. <laughs> and I was like, I was looking back, and I was like, I was like, did I really need to do that? No. I think all. part of it is just like we don't. I think I think part of it is just like social media and Facebook is like it's such a new phenomena, where it's not new anymore, but it's like it's new to society, and it's like how to be. And I think a lot of that is just like learning how to cope with it because yeah, it's like exactly. It's like it's. Like, you know, we grew up, especially for us, because we actually grew up with part of our lives, not on those things. So, yeah. like, to become an adult and then, like, be using these things, we're like, you know, what do you do with this? Whereas if you're, if you're, like, 20, like, you've, you've had this your whole life. And I feel like, I don't know, like, it's just, it's just normal, you know, like, you don't really overthink it. Yeah, well, I was also very self-conscious, like, because I was in high school and all yeah. that, you know, like, I remember people be like, because everyone, knew, I remember... I was in art class in sixth grade and like I was in the newspaper, the local newspaper that I won nationals. And she's like, Oh, I was looking in the newspaper and I have to see Austin, would you like to share something with the class? It's like, no, that's okay. No, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, this is like awkward. <laughs> but like I think I posted on like a, a bulletin board or something in middle school, and then everyone's like, Yu-Gi-Oh! And I was like, uh Oh, so you were you were not a closet list. No. I well I wanted to be, I tried, but like Yeah, that's cool, man. I was a complete closet duelist. Yeah, like, I wanted to be. I remember in, I remember I had this like mental thing in my head all throughout high school where I was like, I was like, all right, if I if I make top eight of this Shonen Jump, I'm gonna like, <laughs> I'm gonna like come out and like I'm gonna um I'm gonna wear a Yu-Gi-Oh shirt to school and like I'm just gonna like I'm not gonna hide it anymore. And, oh my god, you're coming out of the closet. <laughs> and I never did. <laughs> I, I remember I told. One time I told this girl I had a crush, like my high school crush. I mm-hmm. I shouldn't say her name, um, but yeah, I had this high school <laughs> yeah, crush. Yeah, because all 200 people are going to see this and get back there. Well, who knows, right? But anyways, she was cute. She was this Persian girl. 
And she was a pure Persian girl with like bleach blonde hair, which doesn't make any sense, but she was beautiful. Anyways, I remember um, I told her like what I did. And I was like, yeah, like I hustle Yu-Gi-Oh cards. And she's like, are you ever going to get a real job? No. <laughs> and I was just like, I was like, you, I will never be loved. <laughs> I must hide my Yu-Gi-Oh from everybody. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was like, no. You're living two different lives. Literally. Yeah. I yeah. go to school and I, you know, I wasn't, I definitely wasn't popular in school. I wasn't like, uh, I wasn't like not popular. Like I knew, you know, the popular kids or whatever, but I wasn't like in the clique or whatever. But then in Yu-Gi-Oh, and this was when I cared about this stuff, obviously. Now I could care less if I thought like clicks and popularity. But I'd go to Yu-Gi-Oh events and I'd be like signing autographs and like taking pictures with people and like in the cool crowd. And then it was just so, it was such a weird, it like kind of screwed with me because then I really wanted to be like cool at school and i was like well why am i not good enough to like be i don't know it was like it, it, i think kind of yeah. screwed with me um until i kind of like grew out of all that stuff okay um yeah i mean i can relate <laughs> it, it fucked me up too. Well, hold on i'm trying to think if there's anything i can ask you more about that but how did Yu-Gi-Oh fame screw you up young childhood Yu-Gi-Oh fame like yeah, a child- that's a good question <laughs> yeah i right? i think it was i mean I think it made it gave like especially when I was younger, it gave me a sense of like I think it exag like it inflated my ego, you know, like it like it exaggerated my sense of self importance, mm-hmm. um, and like I know that it's it's so it's so silly to think about it now because you're like like come on, but you know I guess everything. Like, it was everything to us, mm-hmm. you know. So it's like. Yeah, so I mean, it you know it, it it definitely messed with my head, and um yeah, it, it I would just say it mainly just like, it uh, it exaggerated my sense of self importance, and it, you know it made me believe that I was more important than other people, and you know I could I could I could do what I wanted to, and you know there weren't as many consequences and um and stuff like that because you know like you know fun fact like i remember like whenever you know i remember like the really a really common thing we used to do i don't know if you did it but me me and my group uh, it was kind of scummy but we used to like yeah, say like there's a long ass line at like an event i remember like i think it was like sjc Costa mesa like there was like a like a thousand or two thousand people which is like i guess normal nowadays but there was like a thousand people in the event and and, I, and we were like, there's no way in hell we're waiting in that line. So like, we just like walked up to the very front and like, we just like, we'd like, we'd just walk up to the front and be like, hey man, like, how you doing? Just a total stranger. And they're like, like, hey, like, you know, we'd act like we know them. And then I'd, we'd get up close and like, hey, can you just pretend like you're holding our spot for us? And then we just like, you know, cut 500 people. <laughs> you know, just like stuff like that, where you're like- That was a thing though, back then. I remember you'd always have to like, You'd always scan the line and be like, okay, wait, who do we know? And like, how far up are they? And who can we cut? Yeah, I mean, it's not that crazy. I mean, that's, I mean, that's not like that crazy of an example or anything, but you know, just stuff like that, where it's like, it's just, I think you're, it's, I found it easier to justify, you know, stupid stuff like that. Um, You know, that's really not, when I think about it, that's really not that big of a deal, but. I still don't think it's that big of a deal, but I don't think I'm better than other people now. And now I'm like, I'm like, wow, I'm. I'm really not better than like anybody actually. <laughs> like I think like basically every human being is better than me. So. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, that's not true. 
Um, but no, it's like, what, you know, people around you are just like, I guess like one of the biggest things I've learned in this last year is just like, like every person around you is just like this, like this immense resource of information. Like, you know, like every person has had so many experiences and like, and uh, you know, they, they just, there's so many people that just know stuff you don't know. So it's like, the more you can tap into that, yeah. it like, I don't know, it just, it gives you more options, you know? Sure. No, absolutely. Sure. Do you have a favorite Yu-Gi-Oh story that you can remember? There's so many. <laughs> the first one that pops in my head. I one about you. Okay, go ahead. I wonder if Jason Holloway. Okay. Jason Holloway. Me, Billy Brake, we are driving in the car to, I subway? believe, St. Louis. There's a subway involved. Okay. <laughs> it's not the cheese one, though. No, I think I know. <laughs> it involves penises. Yes. <laughs> all right I'll, I'll tell it so everyone can have have fun of this one so jason holloway definitely go look him up on facebook he was an awesome charismatic full of personality Yu-Gi-Oh player and he has a card store in texas now so definitely go check him out i think you know he he's a he's a cool guy and a lot of fun so if you're in the area go check him out i don't know his name can you google it while i'm talking and and figure out his his card store name, name? yeah um anyways yeah me billy break Jason, I think John Moore. Uh, we were we used I used to carpool John Moore a lot. Mm-hmm. He was one of my good friends in Yu Gi Oh too. Um, and we were we were carpooling to St. Louis. We stop at a gas station, not a gas station, a subway. And Jason's dead asleep in the back seat, and and we're like, you know what? I fucked the story up. This happened in route to the subway. We okay. Jason sleeping in the car. We're in the car. And we're like, you know what? Let's just mess with Jason. We have a permanent marker, marker shar- Sharpie. So we drew penises all over his, his forehead, behind his ear, behind his neck. We, we, wanted to, we wanted to draw penises where he couldn't find the penises. <laughs> so then when we were at the Yu-Gi-Oh event the next day, he would have penises on him that he didn't know about. You know, so we drew on his face, back of his neck. Anyways. We're in subway. We're ordering. We see J- Jason. J- I think Billy's like he's like he's like Jason's coming, and we're like, oh shit, because we're like in a public <laughs> space, you know. So we're like we're kind of laughing, and we're like, oh man, this is gonna be hilarious. So we 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 tell the uh, the subway employees, Zachy was with us too, Zachy, and Zachy made it really fun, Zachy Saeed. Um, so we're in there, and we're like, okay, guys don't like don't tell him he's got penises on his face and um and then so he walks in he uh he he starts talking to us and and then we all just start making these like dick preferences like zachy's like he's like man you're looking like you're looking a little stiff today and and uh <laughs> like you know like you know like like he would say something like man you're you're kind of being a dick man like you know like what's uh what are you so like uptight about like you know like you know we're making all these uh penis innuendos so mm-hmm. he went he goes into the bathroom he comes out he doesn't notice he, he didn't look in the mirror so we all get back in the car we go to the event and then he, he we were at we, and then like so we continue to make dick jokes throughout the entire car ride all the way until we we're having dinner that night and then he and then he goes in the bathroom and he figures out he has penises on him. He he like washes him off. He does his thing, 
And then the next day, I remember he had a feature match, and he still had the dick penis behind his ear. <laughs> so that was that's that's. Did story. the feature match picture get it? <laughs> no, no, no. I don't think so. Uh-huh. Yeah, I could not even know about that happen. That's hilarious. Yeah, I, I don't think it was super obvious either. It's like so. Yeah. There's so many good stories. Like it's so hard to remember all the good times. You get was like it was hands down the best time of all in my life. I mean that so shit fun. was. So yeah. Fun. No, same. Yeah. You know, you have this like single focus, like no responsibilities other than just like crushing souls. <laughs> you know? Well, we're lucky we got into it when we were young too. Like that was like the perfect age. Yeah, yeah, and and also our parents were like, like we're also fortunate. Our parents were like okay with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of parents. I know. I remember Chris Bowling. Like he used to have to like argue for hours upon hours for his parents to let him do like go to any event. So, you know, some, we're, we're just lucky. I mean, my mom let me freaking fly to Canada when I was 15 by myself. Like, <laughs> to meet some strange I mean, like, man. Not, not many <laughs> parents would let me do that. And, and it wasn't that she was a bad mother either. Like she was a great mom, you know? She, yeah, she, she just trusted she just trust, She trusted my judgment. Yeah. Which that's questionable, but. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know. All right. So, so tell us what you're up to now. And, and has Yu-Gi-Oh played any influence into what what you're doing now with your life <laughs> i say a little bit <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'm, I'm guessing that was some foreshadowing um so at the moment i'm a uh full-time poker player um mm-hmm. i've been in the poker industry for about seven years and uh i did it part-time for about five while i kind of studied and learned the game and just kind of like accumulated results to to the point where I would feel confident uh, doing it mm-hmm. full time, and you know, I felt pretty confident that I I uh, could do it full time. So, you know, a couple of years ago, um, I I you know put in my two weeks, and that was that was actually pretty stressful. Just uh, you know, just taking that next step of of being like you know like it's like I know I I know I'm a winner, but like you know it, it's it's tough to like. It's it's a tough it's a tough career because um, it's it's just so stressful because you mm-hmm. you deal with so much uh, you deal with so much uh, financial swings and stuff so you know sometimes it's it's tough to stay motivated um, to like you know when you're doing it every day um, for hours upon hours a day you know it, it gets tiring so um, that's what I'm up to right now um, but I'm also doing a lot of other stuff I'm also interning at a brokerage. I'm. Oh wait, that wasn't the question, was it? What was the question? I got off my uh, train. Well, I, well, I do want to get into the other things you're doing too, because you're you're doing YouTube stuff. You're saying does, okay, does but does Yu-Gi-Oh have an influence? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, basically, I think I was like 21, 22, when I was like kind of getting out of Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, basically, I, I kind of hit this point where you know I was looking around me and I was like, you know, I I'm. I'm like in my early twenties now. Um, I I was looking at the people like vending, like vending like booths and stuff at events, and I was like, I was like, you know, for me to stay in this business, I need to basically do that. And I was like, do is that is is that what I want my future to be? And I was like, no, I don't think it is. So I was like, you know, I I feel like I just need to get out, and so I got out of it. And then you know, me and me and my friend Chris, uh, you know, we we kind of got out of it around the same time. We, we got into magic, the gathering for a bit. We, mm-hmm. we did some of the pro circuits on there. And, and I feel like I transitioned to magic pretty quickly. Like I was able, I remember I got like 13th at a, a pro circuit within oh, like, 
the maybe like my first event ever like Damn, you know, know like like you know it was a pretty pretty smooth transition like you know the skill set is applicable to magic the gathering for sure um and then you know and then we kind of I always had this idea in the back of my mind of like poker being an option. And the thing that appealed to me about poker was like, I felt like it wouldn't be as much of a time investment because in Yu-Gi-Oh, the cards changed every six months, like the ban list and then with new sets. So I was like, I felt like it was such a huge time consuming thing. And I was like, you know, with poker, it's like the deck's always the same. So if you learn, if you learn the game, then you know the game and you know, maybe there wouldn't be as much upkeep and, and like learning and stuff involved. Um, and then I was like, and at the time I also wanted to, I was still fascinated with the idea of playing a game for a living mm-hmm. because that's, that's what I had been doing since I said 14 earlier, but I started Yu-Gi-Oh when I was 12 um, oh, wow. in hindsight. So, uh, so the idea of, you know, I had, I had the, the huge inflated ego from being really good at Yu-Gi-Oh and I was like, you know, I, I wanted to keep that up and, and be a card player. And, and early on, I was like, I want to be one of the best poker players in the world. And um, so that's kind of like what kind of got me into it. And then uh, the, the skill set definitely, definitely transfers over. And I would say probably the most beneficial skill set was just like, you know, the deductive reasoning that's involved in Yu-Gi-Oh! where it's like, you know, you can, you look at your opponent's graveyard or, you know, or like say like you summon a second monster and they didn't activate Trench Tribute, right? And then mm-hmm. you can like conclude, it's like, okay, it's pretty likely they don't, they don't have Trench Tribute because that would have been a really good opportunity for them to use Trench Tribute. So yeah. then you can, you can play forward like with that knowledge they don't have that. that poker where it's like, you know, say one person raises the $10 and I make it 30. And if they don't re-raise me, then it's like, it's pretty... I'm pretty confident they don't have aces, for example, right? I can I can conclude that they probably don't have certain hands. So a lot of the the reasoning and logic applies to poker, um, but it's you know there's obviously a lot of different things involved. Like you know it's, it's much more it's it's like a pure like math intensive game. So that was that's a, like a different aspect of it, but it's it's a lot of critical thinking and logic. Um, yeah, so so yeah, I would say what I'm doing now does relate to Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. It's interesting that you bring math into it because I think I was talking to Jesse Cotton and he's like, he's, just he's like the looked at as like the best Yu-Gi-Oh player currently and like of all time. He's got like 23 tops or something and like multiple wins and whatnot. He was like my last guest actually. So you'll comment right after his, but he talks about how he approaches the game mathematically. And it was just kind of interesting hearing him talk about it that way because I don't think anyone was really looking at the game that way back when we played. I think maybe like some of the theory or. The closest thing to math. I think that I really thought about back in the day was I, I would basically never enter a big event with more than 40 cards in my deck. Like Mm -hmm. that was, I know like, I I remember like other top players sometimes would play like 41, 42, but I always like, I always, I always considered that to be like a sin. I was like, yeah, I was like, that's just something you can't. I was like, I was like, I felt like to me that was just like a complete lack of discipline. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, like there's something you can cut to make your deck more efficient. You know what I mean? Yeah, but he was actually talking to me about how he was known for playing like 45 card decks, and I was like, what? I never like this was a foreign. Concept. But things might be different now. Things might be different because there's more combos and stuff. Yeah. Well, what he 
from what I gathered from him was he was saying there's a lot of cards that basically do the same thing, but you all there are also cards that you don't want to draw. So you can play 45 cards and you can search for those other cards. I mean it's the same thing and it's like it's the same thing as a gadget deck. You know, like back in the day yeah. when you played gadgets, you played 45 cards or 43 cards. You yeah. know, it's it's the same concept. And that's true. I'm, that's I'm, true. I'm, I mean, I'm going on a limb here, but I'm going to guess, you know, I'm going to guess things are different because during my time, like games were more drawn out and uh, not drawn out. Uh, there was less like combos and searching involved. Yeah, um, it was more drawn out. So longer. And, I, and I'm guessing now there's a lot more combos and stuff where you like, you, you probably are like looking through your deck a whole lot. I mean, I haven't played in a long time, but I'm going to guess that's, that's the direction the game has gone into where there's a lot of searching involved there's a lot of like there's a lot of like stuff interacting in your deck so that makes sense you know if you don't want to draw two thunder dragon <laughs> or yeah, three yeah, thunder yeah. dragon or or like you know you don't want to draw like double malicious rota or something mm-hmm. um yeah um but back in the day when we were playing we like, warrior toolbox sorry yeah. sorry to interrupt you but like no 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 go ahead Back in the day when you're playing like Warrior Toolbox or like Goats or something or like uh, Teledad, you know, things like that. It's like there's like like the the game was some, – sometimes the game was just really fast-paced and you, you needed to you needed to have those combos like pretty quickly too mm-hmm. um, to keep pace. and um, Or like Pot Gristle Duo, you know, during that time it's like, you know, if you – the more you draw Trinity, the more you're probably going to win. So sure. you – you yeah. needed like less cards in your deck that's what we talked about too like the more powerful the cards are that are like single individual cards that you if you have a better chance of winning if you draw them then you have to play less cards of course and that's what okay. was interesting too was like after our time patrick hoban became known for running triple upstar goblin in like every single deck just I, I remember i definitely remember hearing about that yeah yeah which makes sense if because actually yeah. really matter I mean, potentially. I, I, I mean, I don't see Upstart being really popular in the in the new like goat decks, you know. Yeah, that's true. But life points really mattered in goat. Like Teledad, life points didn't really matter. I feel like, but like in goat, I remember destruction was like a win condition. Yeah, I mean, I don't know because I, I remember like I think I remember Chris even using Upstart and stuff or testing yeah. with Upstart. I mean, I think Upstart was definitely good at times. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I do wonder, like, maybe there were periods where, like, we didn't run it. But, like, I feel like also it might also be, like, it also might be part, like, the formats he was in, it might have been applicable. I don't think it's I don't think it's necessarily applicable in every format, but it, but it is possible. Like, it, mm-hmm. it, I mean, it's very well something maybe we all overlooked. Um, well, there's just because, definitely cards we did overlook, which I think is interesting. Like Solemn like, Judgment, like, for oh, example. Yeah, kind of, yeah. And trap I mean, actually, trap does shoot, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I mean, playing a little bit of goat, I I don't know. I mean, it's interesting because there's definitely competitive decks that play it and don't play it. Like they play psalms, they don't play psalms. They play dust shoots, they don't play dust shoots. Um, I don't know. Like I mean, you know, me and you and Kyle, we were playing goats mm-hmm. for pretty rampantly for a period this year. <laughs> and, um, and I didn't really feel like I got like a great sense of of what was the best actually. Like yeah. I I probably felt more lost than when I when I began. Like well, um, yeah. But I think that's the thing is that we didn't even consider those cards before. 
Like they yeah, definitely I mean, deserve consideration. I don't. I mean, I think I considered them, but I think I think maybe like when I was younger, I just like wrote them off because I was like ring of destructions an issue. You know what I mean? I yeah, think like yeah. maybe it just seemed more threatening. So, um, so I mean, I guess you are right. I guess I mean like, I would consider it, but it was really brief. I was like, well, it seems good, but half your life points, ring of destruction, you lose. Nah. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, especially when I played, I was like a beatdown player, at least like for for a while there when I was first gonna go in yeah. the first couple years so i, I think like, in goats i was the same way i i think i remember using like xerion universes yeah and, um stuff like that i like goat format was not like that was I, that was really early i i had just moved to to texas from michigan mm. and you know like i in michigan i was playing i was playing in my middle school like we had a we had a Yu-Gi-Oh club <laughs> and you know like you know I, I came to texas and it was completely different you know i was playing mm-hmm. like like arch fiends and shit like that and and guardian sphinx and <laughs> and then you come to you get you come to like uh, an event in uh you know you come to an event in texas and you know people are actually playing competitive things and yeah sure that makes sense so uh do you feel like Yu-Gi-Oh bettered your life overall your life is better for playing Yu-Gi-Oh? i mean it's hard to really say you know because like who knows what i would have got into yeah. um like had i not done it but i mean i i did do it and i had amazing experiences i met amazing mm-hmm. people i mean i'd say it's probably for the most part benefited my life because i think mainly it's just like it opened my mind to like like i like it's kind of it's kind of like scary to think like how would i view the world had i not had those experiences and yeah it's like i imagine if i didn't have those experiences like my mind like i wouldn't have such a like a idea of what's possible you know what i mean like yeah. it's just like like we did so much when we were young where, traveling getting to see like we're, we're traveling and like, just seeing people do interesting things and mm-hmm. and realizing like you know you can live life uh in so many different ways and um and like i don't know it's just like you know so i got a taste for like the entrepreneur the entrepreneurial spirit and stuff where yeah, exactly. you know, i came i came from a family where you know, my dad was just like, a, he was a general contractor building houses, you know, so I guess, you know, he, he, he had some entrepreneurism too. Um, but like, you know, but, but very like, um, but very like maybe traditional jobs and stuff where had I, had I not been exposed to Yu-Gi-Oh and like, in the idea of like, you know, selling stuff and, and buying stuff and, you know, actually like, like creating money that way. Um, you know, I, it, I don't know. It just wouldn't have really crossed my mind. I'm guessing. Yeah. So, you know, I think I think it, all in all, it's been really interesting, and um, and I've also made like awesome like lifetime friends like you, Kyle, mm-hmm. um, Chris, Zachy, Chris, like you know, like just so many. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jason, Philly. Uh, Do you still talk Johnny. to Philly or Jason or? Um, mm-hmm. I I talked to Jason. Um, briefly on halloween I'll, I'll i'll give you a little sneak peek on that one you, you saw my halloween costume right i don't i don't think i did oh that's disappointing so so on halloween i i went to the halloween store to buy a costume i couldn't find one so i was like you know what i don't want to go to something i don't want to i had an idea of what i wanted to be but i i i messed up i was like you know what i was just gonna be a cowboy i was gonna be something really simple Mm-hmm. Um, but when I went to 
when I went to get dressed for my Halloween party, mm-hmm. I realized I threw away my cowboy hat and I was like, damn it. So I went to my friend's house and I was like, hey, do you have a dress? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I put on her dress and I put on a wig, some lipstick. I put some balloons, <laughs> some nice tits. Um, and, uh, and I became... Hi-ho! <laughs> Wait, who was that? I can't really see through this. I became Hi-ho! <laughs> you know what? I think I did see that. I just didn't know it was you. Yeah, so anyways, I actually sent, I actually recorded a video um, and I sent it to Jason. Like, uh, Chris Bowling was, uh, he was dressed as a cowboy with like a big belly and I was Hi-ho with like the fake boobs. And, uh, and uh, I was, I was joking around. I was like, I was like, this is my man, Billy Bob. And, you know, it's just such a great time out here in Florida. And, you know, if you come out here, we'll have such a great time. And, uh, so, so yeah, that was the last time I talked to Jason. And then he was like, he's like, yeah, I'm gonna, I want to come out to, to Florida. I think, I think, uh, I think I might've turned him on a little bit. So I'm gonna have to like calm him down, but. <laughs> Wait, turned him on with the Heidi Ho thing or? <laughs> oh yeah, do, do, you see, do, you, do you see her? She's hot. <laughs> she is hot. Like big germ, like she looks like a, a like she, like she looks like a woman you'd meet at the beer garden, like beer, Oktoberfest or something, you know? Like... <laughs> the dream. Um, you want to talk about what else you have going on? Because I know you're uh, a jack of all trades. You're doing some baking, some, you said you were I'm at in the a, brokerage. I'm in an interesting place in life. <laughs> I'm just kind of, I'm, uh, I'm just kind of doing a whole lot of things and I'm really just trying to find my path right now. Um, I was really married. I was really married to the idea of playing poker for a long time. And I don't know, like this last year, it just, it just kind of hit me where I was like, man, you know, I'm just really not that interested in this anymore. And, and I just realized I want to be playing a different, like, I want to be playing a different game, not necessarily like a game game, but like, um, like a business or, you know, just playing a bit, playing a bigger game. That's just more interesting because, um, like it kind of blows like going to a poker room every day. (laughs) Um, so yeah, so like, I guess what we'll get, we'll get into, of what I'm doing is so yeah I've been interning at a brokerage the last few months and I I'm also like working on developing my brand um, I've actually been making progress on it I I don't know if I told you but I I bought my domain name uh, Ryan no, Sweet Buns yeah what, Ryan Sweet Buns it's uh you should look at it right now it's it's I, not I, like yeah. it's not anywhere near complete um, okay. it's uh it's basically just you know it's a work in progress but I've gotten some stuff up there. Uh, I need to like update the product product page and and things oh, like that. Great. But uh, but you know I got my logo up there. You like it? <laughs> I just love that Kyle's comment in this place. <laughs> yeah. After, after we've talked about Kyle bowling so much so many times in this. Yeah, you know he he spent a week out here with me. He got to ex- experience my buns. So I know. <laughs> The buns that Jason's crazy for. I want to try your buns. Everyone loves my buns. I... They're vegan. They're, you have they're to play juicy. off that a little bit. I feel like you have to play off that a little bit. Oh, I do, dude. When I would uh, I would do uh, I would do uh, like vegan festivals and stuff, and I would have a booth, 
and the old ladies would come up and and she's like, oh, like, like who's Ryan? I was like, I was like, and I would flirt with them. I would make the bun puns, you know, like, you know, you. I was like, you want to try my buns? And you know, uh, you know, just you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta make it fun, make it fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're a handsome man. I think you can work it. Yeah, so I, I definitely like to play it. Uh, what else am I up to? Um, I I started experimenting a little bit with like YouTube stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if anyone wants to check that out, it's it's right now it's kind of geared towards poker. It's Ryan Spicer Poker. It's uh, the channel I used to put my Yu-Gi-Oh stuff on. Um, but re- I I've been making a little bit of like videos of me playing poker, me kind of like kind of just expressing some of my thoughts about the game, about like, you know, mental, mental stuff, uh, theory stuff. Uh, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to keep making poker content specifically, but it's been interesting because, you know, one of the videos I've had a couple, I've had a couple uh, people comment that has kind of made it worth it. And it's been encouraging where, you know, I put a, I put up a, a video and someone's like, I'm really happy you, I'm really happy you made this. Um, you know, I'm going through this thing and it really like helps in this way or, uh, they're like, uh, this is just what I needed to hear. Like, I, uh, or I'm really happy you upload this. Like, can't wait till the next one or, you know, stuff like that. And, and mm-hmm. I actually like got the email of someone who was commenting and it was kind of cool. Like, um, I just had him explain, it sounds like he's been like kind of struggling in poker and, um, you know, I hadn't kind of described what his situation is and it turns out he's like the six year old 63 year old guy who lives in like europe you know oh, and, he, and like you know he's taking care of a sick mom and he just and he just wants to uh he just wants to play like 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 small stakes poker like he doesn't want he doesn't want to like necessarily be the best or anything but he just wants to be a winning player and you know i was like you know i actually think i could help this guy so um you know we, we've been kind of like swapping emails and and um and I think like I can help him, and I and I also have the idea that, you know, I could probably I could probably use some some of me helping him as content for the channel as well, and mm-hmm. you know that might lead to, probably not full time, but like it, it could lead to lead to some coaching opportunities yeah. where, yeah. um, where like I can you know charge maybe fifty to hundred dollars an hour, which is not mm-hmm. actually is I I don't know if that sounds high to anyone watching, but that's kind of kind of normal, um kind of normal in the poker world just to pay for coaching because it's it's really worth it because if you can pay someone like three hundred dollars for three hours of coaching and it and it earns you an extra like twenty dollars an hour like it pretty quickly pays for itself yeah um so same thing with uh, acting we we coach and acting all the time or when i used to act and then you book one role and it like you know pays off yeah um and then beyond that let's see poker buns and then yeah so i mean yeah i'm just doing a whole lot of stuff and um i'm i'm not i'm just trying to be not i'm just trying to be a little bit open-minded to it um Mm -hmm. and and just kind of view it as an exploring process right now and it it is kind of weird because i feel like i'm i'm getting older like i'm almost 30 now and i'm still in that in that exploring phase and um, it doesn't it doesn't feel great but I do kind of feel like things are starting to click a little bit. Um, yeah. So. So I'm 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 more optimistic about the future than I used to be, um, for sure. That's good. Yeah. It sounds like you have a lot of great things go great things going for you. I love of, the buns idea. Yeah, yeah. I think that's my most promising thing right now. Um, 
and you know i just i just uh developed my second product and i dude did i tell you about it the pumpkin one the pumpkin dude the pumpkin ones are so good i made i made like um i made let's see like 30 something today and i gave away a bunch and everyone just like everyone just loves them i i take a bite and like damn like this is so good <laughs> like i was like i was like this now this is good and um you know so those are good those are cool and i have some ideas to do some other stuff like i want to do like the pizza ones and i just want to do yeah. like a bunch yeah. of different ones and so you know it's just figuring out how to how to leverage that and and right now it's like i, I definitely view it as a hobby but i, I mm-hmm. do see it as um i see i see there's potential there yeah for sure there definitely is you should make YouTube content too about like your food and baking, especially like vegan baking and everything. Like just making videos about it or? Yeah, I think you, there's definitely a vegan audience out there who would love that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I thought about doing that. Um, I'm not sure what content I would make outside of just baking though. Like just like you mean, you mean just like just an entire channel dedicated to baking yeah 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 potentially sweet buns just about yeah. treats you make different treats yeah honestly like i'm i'm really that's that's honestly the the one thing i'm i'm the most excited about like i was telling you before we started recording is like just i've to, been telling you about this for like months but i just feel like there's so much on tap potential in youtube and it's like mm-hmm. i feel like i think it's cool too because like someone like me i'm so freaking scatterbrained like you know, like I want to do like a million different things and it's kind of cool because I mean, there's nothing stopping you from having like five different YouTube channels. Like, yeah, of course. You know what I mean? Like, and I mean, I guess time is a thing. <laughs> it, depends, it depends how like, Good one. you know, it depends on how intensive each thing is. But, you know, it, even if you like dedicated to like putting out one video a week on each channel or something, like as long as it's good stuff, like it could I, you could gain traction in multiple ways, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, like yeah, the poker stuff yeah. is pretty easy for me to create. And like I was talking to you, like I, I think actually making some YouTube Yu-Gi-Oh content could be fun too. And um, you know, probably start off with the with the old school stuff. And mm-hmm. I mean, maybe maybe I, I mean maybe I could relearn like some of the new stuff. I, I feel like it'd be a little bit overwhelming because there's just, I mean, I can't even imagine how much new stuff has come out since I last played. Um, yeah. Maybe you can. Up. Oh, you have it at all? No, but I'm going to start. I'm going to start researching it. I'll probably watch the videos tonight. I'll send you some videos too because um, I I was told by um, a couple like good players where to kind of learn and whatnot. And where where do you learn? Like I, I think his name's DB Grinders or something. DB. Yeah, do a stands for dueling book. Okay, and why would you learn from him? He just has videos posted of like dueling book games, and he explains like the top decks. I don't know. I haven't watched it yet. I also might cut this okay. out. I, I, I will look at it because like this is all like research, you know. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, it's well. Should one we wrap point... this up with the last Yu-Gi-Oh question? You want to stop talking to me so soon? Oh. Uh, we we can keep talking. Oh, that was your computer. We can keep talking, but I want to go grab my ice cream because I'm stuck. <laughs> well, um, I'm having a good time, so it's up to you. Well, I want to know what's your favorite Yu-Gi-Oh card of all time. Favorite Yu-Gi-Oh card. 
Um, I mean, there's a lot. I can give you like a top three. All right, let's get your top three. All right, Dimensional Alchemist. Uh, for some reason, I've always had like a fond, a fondness for it. That's a thirteen hundred one, right? Yeah, where you remove, you top remove one. a card. I think I like that one so much because um, I, I made a deck. It was like I think it was YACS Austin. It was the one with Chris Bowling, one with Lightsworn. But mm -hmm. I had a me and Billy Brake ran a deck that we worked on um, before, like prior to the event. That it, it was like a it was like a D hero deck when D heroes weren't cool anymore. It was like Blackwing and Lightsworn were popular. And we basically came up with a deck that used like Mystic Tomatoes and Dimensional Alchemists. And it was really freaking good. Um, like basically it was so good because Blackwings ran like 1800 meters and and Lightsworn ran like Luminos and stuff and, and like Honest. So we basically, we built a deck that ran like Dimensional Alchemist, Tomatoes. So like basically they were kind of invulnerable to honest. So it allowed us to like take advantage of those things. And it also like could suicide with uh Blackwing, uh, sure, sure. Shura, whatever his name yeah. is. Um, and then, and then if like, and they were awesome because if there were recruiters and stuff. And so mm. if, if they ever got through them, then we now have lights and darks where we could like sorcery you. We were, and then there was like combos with like, because malicious was only at two at the time. So like after you used one malicious, then you would you would go like you use demon you would use the DLX effect to get back malicious to your hand and then you would plague spreader it back to the top of your deck and then use it again. So like that's pretty cool. It would allow you to like and then you could bring out Colossal Fighter and Colossal Fighter was just like the tits against Black Wings and, and Lightsworn. So that was so that one just has like fond memories. Um that's another one I feel like I got cheated a little bit. Chris won that one, Bonnet. Chris won that jump, in my opinion, on a technicality against me. Because in the top eight, the judges messed up. And they – because in the top eight, you're supposed to have 50 minutes of time. And they called time on us at 40 minutes. And then um, one one turn passed. And then they're like, they're like, oh, wait, it's actually not time. And then they're like, but since you've played one turn in time, just continue as if you're in time. So you have two turns, go. <laughs> Uh, and, and that's what that's how i lost it and it was like game three so and, and i and i was in position to win too so um that was a, that was definitely a technicality so that was a a little frustrating but then you know i was i was really angry i was really angry but then i was just like well i was like you better win this chris <laughs> and then he won it so well that's uh, good uh, yeah, so that's, that's, that's one of them and then Dark Arm Dragon is a big one. Uh, I'm gonna make a top five: Dark Arm Dragon, Starter Dragon, uh, Royal Oppression. Though I, I, I liked though I, I really I like enjoyed I really enjoyed those those like functions of the game where you could like create like lockdown boards. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I'd say the number five is Dark Greffer. Dark Greffer mm -hmm. was like such a cool card. Um, it really. I don't know. It, it really, like that card was like what really made dark arm so good, you know, like without that card, it would have been much different. You know, it, it just allowed you to, to do combo plays and, and uh, set, set up situations where you could, you know, it just accelerated things. Right. Yeah. Um, it got into a situation where you could like really mess people up and yeah. All right. So 
Dark, so Darkham Dragon, Stardust Dragon, <laughs> Low Oppression, Dimensional Alchemist, and Dark Ruffer. All right, top five. Top five. That's a that's a video I can make. Top five favorite Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Did you ever have a breakthrough moment in Yu-Gi-Oh where all of a sudden you realized something that you hadn't noticed before and it made you a better player? I'll tell you mine to give you an idea. I, okay, for go for example. it. Mine is when I got heavy stormed when I had like five face downs and I realized I didn't <laughs> need all the face downs. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, oh, wait, if I had just set two any heavy storms, I would still have these three other ones. And then I realized yeah. what card advantage was. And I was like, oh, so that was okay. my big breakthrough. Um, yeah, I can think of a couple. I Okay, so the first one that comes to mind was, I remember I was playing in this regional where I was, I, I was playing a deck where I played like Apprentice Magician, Hand of Phoenix, and, and like that Sacred Phoenix card, Phoenix card. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I I don't remember the details of it, but I remember like the feeling of it. And it was basically, I made a play um, before fully thinking it through. And then I, I, and like, I immediately regretted it. And I was like, I, ne- and I, and I think I lost the match because of it. And it was like, it was like one of the final rounds of the, of the regional where I was close to making top eight. And I made a mistake basically because I just didn't I didn't take the time to fully think it through. Mm-hmm. And and I remember like immediately regretting it. And I was like, I never want to do that again. And that was kind of a breakthrough where I was just like, you know, like just take your time uh and like think things through and like don't rush because you know those things just lead to mistakes. Um you know, perfect example of that is like my first SJC. My first SJC, I got second place, and I should have got first, but oh. I messed up because basically it was it was in a it was Spicer Monarch format. I confiscated just the guy named Trist, Tristan Patillo. Um, I confiscated him. I looked at his hand. I saw he didn't have Ring of Destruction in his hand. Um, I discarded a card. He drew a card. He summoned a monster. Set set like two back rows and I had like, I had like, I had the nuts. I had like cyber dragon heavy, all these things. Right. And then I, I was so excited. I like, I went special someone's cyber dragon. And then I was like, oh. fuck. I was like, I was like, shit. Cause I didn't heavy storm before summoning cyber dragon. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, I was like, well, okay. Heavy storm. And he top deck ring of destruction. Like, it, yeah. it, so like I, you know, so he, I mean, it's totally my fault. Like mm-hmm. it, was, it was my fault because, you know, I didn't, again, I, I had, I had rushed and, and not thought things through. Um, you know, I let my, I got too excited or whatever. So, and that, that definitely cost me the match. Uh, yeah. And um, because, I mean, my deck was just like way superior to his, um, but you know, it comes, you know, some, it just comes down to, uh, you know, it's, it, it happens in poker all the time. Like that's one of the biggest edges you have against people's, uh, they just, there's so many people, they just make decisions emotionally. Um, so if you can learn to just slow yourself down and, and make rational decisions, it gives you such a huge advantage on people. Hmm. Uh, and that, that's true in like, in every aspect, right? Like yeah, people, yeah, sure. people are just yeah. driven by emotions. I mean, I, I, we all are to an extent. Like, I mean, I make yeah. tons yeah. of stupid emotional decisions. Um, that's what and, yeah, dude. I, I've kind of gotten back to the in the, in the uh, groove of meditating and, and especially like this last week I've been super busy and like every time I sit down to meditate like I remember something that's really important and I'm like I'm like thank <laughs> God I took a second to slow to like just yeah. stop 
uh, it's like you know paying rent i was like oh yeah gotta pay rent today um I was like, and, shit, uh, shit, yeah you better get on it yeah no, um yeah so so i want to turn it back on you so what like what do you think like the what do you think some of like the top traits of like a a top level like Yu-Gi-Oh player are? Mm. You know that, that sets them apart from the rest and and uh, yeah, like help, like provides them with a like, consistent consistency in like making final tables, um, you know things like that. Um, that's a good question. I feel like you have to be creative because a lot of the successful Yu-Gi-Oh players I know have gone on to do different creative occupations. Like my roommate, Michael, who also, you know, topped some events and finished second, he does music and Jonathan Weigel, like one of my close friends who had a lot of tops and also finished second. Um, was creative and then you know I pursued acting and I think being creative lets you think outside the box to gain advantages so whether it's in the deck building aspect or when you're thrown into different situations um just thinking outside the box and and going through all the different uh variables and and options that you have to then be able to make the best play so, I mean, that comes down to creativity, but also, like you said, making sure you're playing slowly and correctly and, and you know, thinking ahead. You always have to think ahead. Creative. Yeah, and, and I would say, I would add to that, like, being creative in a useful, in a practical way. Like, because, mm -hmm. you, you know, you can, be, you can be useful and be like, you know, I want to play a, I want to play an Injection Fair Lily uh, scapegoat go control uh deck you know yeah. and then and, and it's creative but it's not necessarily like you know practical yeah yeah for sure you have um, to be creative in a good way where you're getting an advantage but really just you know try uh, deck building i think a lot of the games are one before the tournament even starts with your deck building yeah no 100 percent. yeah for for sure and i think i think part of it too is like it's like it's kind of like looking at looking at like what happened at, at the most recent events and kind of predicting how that's going to shape the metagame coming up mm -hmm. and then and then kind of being one step ahead of that metagame you know like a lot of a lot of my choice like i would have I, I remember like i feel like one of the things i was good at in in Yu-Gi-Oh was was like understanding what the metagame was and then like i would always play um i remember actually i remember Chris, I remember, this was actually an aha moment for me. I remember Chris Bowling said something to me. Like, it was like at, it was right before national. I think it was right before the nationals he won with Gladiator Beast. I remember like we were test playing for it, right? And I remember I was like, I was like, you know, what do you think about this deck? What do you think about this deck? And, he, and I remember Chris was like, he's like, you know what? He's like, what deck is going to win nationals? And and we're like, probably Gladiator Beast, right? And he's like, he's like, he's like, okay, like, play the deck that's going to win nationals, <laughs> you know, like, because if you play anything, that's not that deck, you're not going to win nationals, like plain and simple. So like, 
if, if you're playing Dark Arm Dragon at Nationals Gladiator Beast 2007 or whenever it was, like, you're just not going to win that tournament. Like, because Gladiator Beast was by far the superior deck. So, yeah. um, you know, there, there are people who ran Dark Arm Dragon. And, like, I remember, I think Hector ran it. And he made top eight. But he lost. Hector he Harris? lost because, yeah, he lost to Chris. Um, Were you close to Hector? So, I, I love that guy. We play, we play Call of Duty a lot. Yeah, um, we yeah, we haven't played games, but we're semi close. Like I really like them, and uh, I've gone before I moved to Florida. I actually went down and uh, and and stayed with him in Miami, and he took me out. Had an awesome time. It was great, man. I actually met this like sorority girl who I like met up with like after I moved down to Florida, and I went to like Daytona Beach, and we had a great okay, time. Okay, wait, wait, wait. But before we go, I do want. Uh, um, but wait, I, I want to circle back to your I part. Go off what we just were talking about. Yeah, I want to circle back to that. I'm going to add to that, but go ahead. Okay. Well, I was just going to say, so if you say what's going to win Gladiator Beast, what's going to give you the edge versus other Gladiator Beast players? Oh, you're going to also run Gladiator Beast. Because um, for me, like, an example was San Jose. I was running X-Sabers. And I was like, okay, what? X-Sabers is the best deck. Like, I agree. Just like Gladiator Beast was. But then I built my side deck, and I, like, thought out of the box and was like, okay, Let's side deck like Banisher of the Radiance for like Emmer's Blades, Dark Souls, mm-hmm. and just to like counter all the, you know, countering the best deck. And so I would have a leg up in mirror matches. So I, I, I would take it a that? step. I would take it okay, a, a step further. Um, so a good example is I, it was, this was also an X Saber format. I think it was at Nationals. Um, this was at Nationals like 2000, I want to say 2010. Was that when X Sabers were popular? Um, it was around that time, but I remember, so the event immediately before it, I remember I ran, I, I remember I made the finals. I, this might've been the one I maybe Billy won the event with X Sabres. It was like the year after I won Chicago, I think Billy won. Um, that's another story, <laughs> but, uh, I, we don't have to get into it. We don't have to get into it if you don't want to. Um, but, no, no, uh, I want to hear that story. <laughs> What's that story? Wait, was that the Chicago well, well, that we stayed together? That was my yeah, favorite. yeah, yeah. Well, we'll circle back to it. So okay. that was the event where I believe we figured out that Royal Oppression was like really good main decking mm-hmm. and, and X Sabres, but no one else was really doing it. So at that event, me, Billy, and and other players in the know, we all main deck Royal Oppression because we're like, you know, it's it's just sick. Like you was X Sabres, you you bring out this big beefy board, and then you mm-hmm. then you set a solid, you set a Royal Oppression. And then your opponent tries to pop off on you and you go bam, right? Yeah. So what what I did at the very next event was nationals. And I was expecting, I was like, all right, everyone's gonna net deck us, everyone's gonna be main deck impression. So what I did was I I main decked trap stun. So like what I would do is mm. I would fuck people up because I would have <laughs> trap stun set and I would go, I would go like what whatever the card was, uh uh, Bogart, sure. I'll go Bogart. They go Royal Oppression, or or and then I would go Trap Stun, and now they have a, they have an oppression face up. They can't activate it. I pop off, bring out this huge field, and then I end my turn. And now I essentially have a Royal Oppression active yeah. protecting me. So you know that's an example where like I would still play the best deck, but I would I would just figure out like you know what like I would try to add like one or two cards that would take advantage of. Mm-hmm of like the main deck that other people were playing or an aspect of it. Um, yeah. Something like that. I, you know, 
I was never a fan of like completely playing anti-meta because like it just leaves you way too vulnerable like when you play something that, that's not meta and then also like yeah. they were just like inconsistent too um but a quick story so like that i mean that, that you wanted to circle back to it right yeah yeah yeah. Right, so i was like i was 18 i was 18 uh augustin herrera um i shouldn't say name should i but anyway whatever it, doesn't, where the story it, goes. <laughs> it doesn't matter it was it was augustin um miguel you remember miguel uh he was from chicago as well um oh, that sounds so familiar and what was the big dude's name uh kiwi kiwi yeah kiwi <laughs> uh kiwi um and then i think like kiwi's dad like kiwi's oh, dad <laughs> billy break we all so we all went to a strip club they took me to a strip club when i was 18 but before we went they got me like kind of, they got me kind of inebriated and so i remember i was there so anyways, I, I got inebriated. I fell in love with this this beautiful Asian stripper. I thought she was going to marry me or something. And I probably spent like, I don't even know, a couple hundred dollars. And, you know, when you're, when you're 18 and you have no money and you're broke, you're like, that's like your life savings. So I remember like, I was like, oh, I can't believe I did that. Like, what I remember was you I coming back. And, I was... <laughs> and uh, um, and then Billy won the event and I got my money back because we split. So oh, okay. <laughs> Do you remember but, me and Augustine throwing cookies at you guys when you were sleeping? I don't, Kyle, but I don't doubt it. It was like 2 a.m. in Chicago and Kyle was like, I'm going to walk to the gas station and grab some snacks. Like it's 2 a.m. in Chicago. Like this is probably not a great idea. And, then, yeah, no. and we're in like some sketchy area because they're staying at Kiwi's place. And then... <laughs> Do you remember the bathroom, the toilet? <laughs> remember the toilet? It was so small, and also the bathroom was like destroyed. And Billy took his 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 um his bathtub pre ritual. He always had to take a bath before events on Friday. It was like the grossest bathtub ever. <laughs> he was like crying in the bathtub, and yeah. oh oh yeah. But anyways, Kyle got cookies, and it was like two a.m. And me and Augusta just started chucking them at people. It was so funny. <laughs> yeah that was, that was a fun event that's my favorite um, event I, real quick before while it's on my mind I want to circle back though to the thing that, about like we were saying what sets players apart I guess a top like poker top players, not yeah. poker but a top Yu-Gi-Oh player apart um, I think part of it too is like definitely what you said like creativity and, and things like that but I also think uh, just being around okay there's two things i think interest is actually super important and that's something i've learned like the hard way like in Yu-Gi-Oh, i was super passionate about it and like mm -hmm. and because i really cared about it i was just driven to constantly think about it to constantly ask questions to constantly play so you know that it, like that having that kind of like interest and motivation and like fire inside you like that immediately just gives you a huge edge on all the people because you're 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 just gonna like work way harder than them and then um, two, um, being around the right people. Yeah. You know, like I, I, like I always, I always say this. Like, um, you know, when I when I lived in Michigan, like I was like the best in my, I was like the best player in my group, right? But we were like a bunch of bums, right? Like, like because my because my we we didn't have access to like big tournaments. We didn't know they even happened. Like, you know, we we were playing like really just really poor decks, like but we didn't really know any better because, you know, we were our own competition. But when I moved to Texas, 
like I, the only reason I became like really good in Yu-Gi-Oh was because I met, I met some of the smartest minds in Yu-Gi-Oh. Like I became friends with Chris Bowling, Jason Holloway, Philly Luna. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, like after meeting them, like that's when everything changed where it was like, but sorry, I don't want to, I don't mean to stop you, but here's the thing. And everybody who's come on the podcast, cause I've interviewed, you know, some of the top players and they've all agreed with you and said, it's all about like who you can surround yourself with. But the problem is, is getting into the group with like if you don't go to locals with them like you happen to be in texas which was like a huge hub but if you had stayed in yeah. michigan luckily now there's like dueling books and yeah i was lucky books. i was really fortunate yeah. yeah but but now and i was talking to this guy named walter jewel who's like a top player now and he was like he started looking at like the ocg to see what deck was going to be good ahead of time and started play mm-hmm. testing with that so that when like it got released, he was ahead of everyone, and then he like lost or won or something, and that's, that's what got him accepted into like the top player group, so that he could then yeah. switch ideas with them. Because I think the big thing is how do you get into those groups? That's the hard part. It just so happened I mean, we lived with good ones, and the area was good ones. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think part, I mean, that's, I mean, that's a really, I don't think he did that so he could be in the group. I think he no, was just. No, talked about that was like was, a big advantage and that was his advice to people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was creative, you know, like it yeah. comes back to creativity. He, he saw a way to be ahead of the curve and that's really smart. You know, I, I remember like, I think Jeff Jones was really, he was like a player in our era who was really good at that kind of stuff. Like he was always, I remember messaging him and he was like always like super interested in what was going on in the OCG and like, yeah. I, I didn't give two shits. Like, yeah. you know, he'd be telling me all this stuff and, and like, I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. Like, <laughs> like, that's like, that's like a week away. Like, that's like so long. Like, but know? that's a huge advantage. Cause like, I never it was is. up with Jeff to be able to like bounce those sort of things with him. Yeah. Jeff. Yeah. He, he hit on me He's real hard. Late. Jesus Christ. <laughs> but yeah. So as far as that social circle thing, I mean, yeah, I mean, I was really fortunate. Um, I think the way to do it though is really, um, I think if, if you have, I think it just kind of naturally happens. Like if you, mm-hmm. if you are hyper interested in the game mm-hmm. and you are also like showing up to all the events and stuff, um, like a, like that you, you immediately become more recognized. Like people are like, Oh, Hey, like, you know, I've seen this guy around and yeah. you know, you automatically become more known in the community. And then also like, you know, you can just like, you can just like ask people, um, like for just their, uh, their guidance mm-hmm. and, you know, that can help too. And then, um, you know, and the thing is too, like, unless like, unless you're talking to a douchebag, like most people are like really happy to help. Like, yeah, no. I mean, that's something I've learned too. It's like, like if someone wanted to like learn poker from me, like I'm like super happy to like help them out. And yeah. Um, but Yu-Gi-Oh wasn't like that. I think it's I've heard it wasn't like because... more like that. Like I heard the pro players are like nicer. Because back in the day, it was like pretty clicky and pretty like nobody could just walk up to like Adam or maybe, maybe yeah guy. But like because we were Philly to be like we were young. We were 15 years old. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we had we had thousands of people following us, and we thought we were big shit. <laughs> like yeah, you know, we won playstations for prizes. <laughs> The prize support has not gotten better. That's the worst part. Yeah. Aren't, aren't tournaments like thousands of people now? 
Not all of them, but yeah, they do. They do draw like a thousand, two thousand, I think, most of the time. That's so crazy. Some are like eight hundred, though. I think I don't know. There haven't been that many since I've been back for the COVID. So yeah. if you to finish off, if you could impart wisdom to a player who wants to get better, what mm-hmm. would you tell them? Um. I would say, uh, like, something I've learned is you don't necessarily have to be, like, the the absolute best um, to, to, like, enjoy what you're doing. But if you want to be the absolute best, I mean, I guess, like, be the absolute best that you can be. To be the absolute best that you can be. Um, I mean, I would just say find someone who is at least like on your level, um, someone who's better than you, um, and be also open to people who are worse than you and practice with them like relentlessly, like, you know, go, go to the Denny's at, at (laughs) 9 PM and play until 7 AM and do that for, like two or three years, you're not literally, but you kind of, you want to, but just leave a tip. Um, and get the hot chocolate. And get the free hot chocolate. But uh, I think I went to IHOP, maybe that was a mistake. Uh, mm. But uh, I would say, yeah, just practice relentlessly. Um, try, just like try everything. Um, and quickly abandon ideas that aren't working. Uh, like don't like hang, don't like, don't stay on bad ideas um, just because you like it. And that's something too, is like, I had to learn this because I'm like, I'm a very like heart, heart driven kind of person where mm-hmm. um, like, I, 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 I like things, right? So well, you have to, you have to kind of detach yourself from that and, and realize like, just because you like something, it doesn't necessarily make it good. Um, so, you know, for example, if you want, if, if your goal is to, to like win a tournament and Gladder Beast, for example, are the deck that's likely going to win the tournament, but you really like the Lightsworn deck, like, which was a deck popular back in the day. Um, you know, you should like listen to your, listen to your head and, and like what's likely going to happen and not to like what your feelings are telling you just because like you have a, an affinity for, for like whatever deck genre um you, you just got to play like what is the tier zero deck like that's i mean that's the truth of it if you want to win um and i think part of that just comes down to knowing knowing your your own values and your goals like because some people's goals aren't to be like the best or to perform the best some people you know they want to have fun or they want to like it's like a social thing so i think part of that question is like you know what what's what's valuable to you and like and like to I mean, back in the day, like to me, it was back in the day, it was always, always like, it didn't make any sense to me when I was younger. Like, why would anyone play this game? Like, you know, purely for fun. I was like, yeah. like, I was like, what is the, like, like, what the hell? Like, that's so stupid. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I mean, looking back, I mean, it's not that crazy, especially when you think about, I mean, like we were competing for pretty terrible prizes. So, so like, who was the real loser in that, in that trade-off? Like, when you really think... <laughs> Well, when you think about it, it's like you're competing for an Xbox 
and you're, you're dedicated more for pride, for pride than the, to be recognized by your peers. Also, my also, thing my to me was like, was like, if I'm not if winning, I'm not, then I'm not having fun. <laughs> no, yeah, that, that's true, and th- and that's the thing is like, so like you you value winning, and I value winning too. So like, I'm not saying I I'm not saying I would go back and and like just play fun decks and like yeah. competitive tournaments, but I'm saying like it's okay like. You know, if you're, if you have a different goal, like it's fine. And like, you know, it's like, cause like winning, winning isn't such a narrow definition. It's like, sure, um, sure. it's like, could like go back to my thing. I, you didn't, I don't think you liked what I was saying, but it's like, who is a real winner? It's like, you know, like say, say example for me, like, you know, I'm dedicating like who, like God, like, who knows how many hours a week in high school, just like, just like thinking about you, Yu-Gi-Oh, playing Yu-Gi-Oh, like talking Yu-Gi-Oh, 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 Yu-Gi-Oh. And that's a huge cost and it's like a huge opportunity cost. I could have been doing other things, right? Like um, I could have been hustling, like, you know, you know who the true, you know, the, tr- the best Yu-Gi-Oh player I know of ever was, it was Kyle, Kyle Bowling. Bowling. You know why? Because he, he quit Yu-Gi-Oh and started <laughs> hustling that shit way before I did way before it was cool. And that makes him the best Yu-Gi-Oh player of all time. So that's, that's my two cents. That's what I realized. I might be, I might've beat Kyle in future match, but he beat me in some other places. So, uh, (laughs) um, but, uh, but what I'm trying to say is, you know, like it, it really depends on your values and your goals, you know, it's in it. I think it's okay. Like, because you're not competing for much, like f- just playing for fun is a pretty acceptable thing. Like if you just yeah. really enjoy it, it's a social thing. You have friends, like, like the opportunity cost isn't um, always like worth it to, I don't know. Yeah. No, I think that's I, good I advice. That's, that's okay, good answer. I think it's good advice for sure. I mean, I, we, I think we, I know I took winning too seriously. Like the fact that I was yeah. like stomach aches before every round. And it's not that I didn't but, like what you were saying. It was just uh, like referring to us as like our players as losers because we're playing for nothing, like the prize for it. But like you're not a loser as long as you're if you're there having fun or whatever. Yeah, you're not. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think I maybe mis mistook the way you put it at first. Um, yeah, that's definitely not the case. Um, I think that's a great it, thing is to know your value. And so that you're and you know know your value outside of Yu-Gi-Oh and you know just have fun with it and and know what you want out of it. And I would say too what you just said though about um you know you you taking it too far having stomach aches like and I mean I don't think that's too far either like that I mean that was your value like you know like that w- for whatever reason that's what drove you at that time in your life um you know maybe it was a little bit maybe you know in hindsight, it's, it's like a little bit delusional, right. To be driven to like, you know, but, but it's also understandable at that, at that stage in life when, yeah. um, but there's, I mean, there's nothing to say, like anything we, anything we strive for in life at the end of the day, it's like, it's a little bit delusional, you know, because like, I don't, you lose it all in the end. As soon as you, as soon as you, as soon as you fulfill it, you, you realize it's not going to make you happy. So it's like, at the end of the day, everything we do is a delusion. But it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. You know what I mean? All right, I like it. We're getting deep here. This is beyond you. This is advice beyond you, you. This is the stuff I think about all day long. Make make your podcast. Make a philosophy podcast. 
I should, right? But I need someone to talk to. <laughs> I'll talk to you. All right. I'll talk to you. All right. You can tell me about your Jewish roots. I love I know, Jewish, right? Jewish stuff. Absolutely. I met this. So I met this. <laughs> no, okay. I'm and <laughs> he introduced me to this Israeli girl. And it's been, it's kind of cool. And she's Jewish. I'm making you so uncomfortable. <laughs> no, but we, you're like reading <laughs> We can, uh, we can, we can end it on that note if you'd like. Yeah, let's, let's end it on the Yu-Gi-Oh part. No, 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 no. About, I'd like to hear about the Israeli girl after I cut. <laughs> well, that was a bad, no, just, we'll end it I'm here. It's been, it's, no, yeah. it's been a great, it's been a great time, guys. And, uh. Well, it's been a great, I've had a great time talking to my friend Austin. He's going to keep all this in here. I trust him to do that. He, he, I have his full confidence that he can do that. It's going to make him really uncomfortable, but he'll be okay. Not uncomfortable. I just don't don't want him to turn it off. They're not going to turn it off. It's at the end. It's at the end. You already watched too much, guys. (laughs) We're all winners here. At the Blazing Girls podcast, we're all winners. Yeah, yeah. And don't. Don't take anything out of context. Uh, you know, if, if you use your passion, that, that's totally cool. Um, you know, do do what makes you happy. Will you be making a comeback anytime soon? What are um, chances? Would you ever consider playing again? Competitively, no. Like, not. I mean, competitively, yeah. Competitively, no. It's just too. It's too con- time consuming at this stage of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I, you know, like we were talking before. Uh, you know, off off recording. Um, you know, I, I'm really interested in YouTube and like what what's possible with YouTube. So I could see myself potentially learning the game and, you know, maybe just playing online and doing some type of like uh, recording myself playing, maybe like doing some commentary, things like that. Um, and that would require learning the new stuff. Yeah. Um, Talk to John about it. That's what John does. Yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely possible. And, yeah. you know, who knows? I mean, I keep hearing about there's a lot of money in the game too, so it's interesting. Ooh, your audio just sounded amazing when you when I talked right into the microphone. It's so crisp. Right. Oh man, have I been messing up this whole time? No, it, it actually sounds a little bit better, I think, back. But it just it just dark it, chocolate <laughs> podcast chocolate rain. <laughs> All right, sing us out of here. Chocolate rain, buy cards from Blazing Cards. He's a national champion. Also, check out check out Ryan's YouTube channel. I'll have everything down below. Go subscribe. Yeah, to it's, him. it's Ryan Spicer poker. poker for at the moment. Um, good chance I put some Yu-Gi-Oh content up there. So subscribe and stay tuned on that. And uh, yeah, if you want, if you want, if you want poker information, feel free to reach out to me. Or if you uh, want to try his buns. Ryan Spicer poker at gmail.com. Oh, very nice. Let me double check that. <laughs> Ryan Spicer poker at gmail.com. That's right. There we go. I just I I just made it because I was I was uh emailing that 63-year-old guy from Europe. <laughs> another another guy you're going to go to another country and be in his basement <laughs> who you don't know. Yeah, there. I might get chained up this time. <laughs> All right, well. <laughs> Ryan, it has been an absolute joy to have you on here.
And it's been, it, it's been it a good time. Be long before we have you on here again. I'm going to yeah, hopefully up. people hopefully people enjoy it and you'll have me back. <laughs> Regardless, I'll have you back and and they'll have to deal with it. All right. All right. Well, my longtime friend. It was good speaking. Peace. <laughs>